Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin, and we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful in Christ. Well, welcome to episode 37 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn. And I'm Shannon. And we are so glad you're joining us. Whether you're joining us today as the show drops or at a later date, we hope that um, you will have something, you'll come away with something that will be meaningful to your personal life. So we are, as I said, on episode 37. It's the end of September as... um, as the show drops, and we are about to finish the book that we have been studying for the last 18 weeks. Is that how long it's been? Yeah. Wow. Is that, yes, because we took a little break in between, yeah. right? And it's eight chapters, so it has been eight weeks. Wow. 18 weeks. So if you're tired of this book, <laughs> be encouraged <laughs> because the next one's coming. Um, but we have one more chapter left. We're excited. We're going to dig into that in a minute. But I want to just, um, before I do that, just talk to you about what's happening in today's episode and what's coming. So today's episode, we are going to be joined by Margaret Harms. And we think you're going to really enjoy hearing her story and hearing from her. We um, we'll again have a, a story time for the for the last time anyway. We'll go back to teaching for that portion and another art piece as well. Uh, so next time we that you press play on this podcast, we are going to be doing a new book. That book is called 12 Faithful Women. So we thought, why not share someone in our lives that we have found to be faithful? So Shannon... When you think of faithful woman in your life, who pops into your head? I had a hard time narrowing it down because there's a lot of women in my life who um, I just look up to as being steadfast and faithful in their, you know, in their families, in their communities, in their spheres of interest. But uh, it's awesome that you yeah. have that that you have a hard time narrowing. It yeah, down. <laughs> that's, yeah. A, that's a gift. Um, there's one woman who I've known for years. Her name is Wendy Bowman, and um, she is is has like I said been a friend for years. She is just um, she's an encourager. She's a faithful prayer warrior. She um, she's one of those people who will gather people. Like just has this ability to to gather people into her home and host and um, help facilitate connections between you know new people. And she just she just has a, a way of bringing community wherever she is. Um, she's wise. She give, gives wise counsel, and she's you know like like any of us ha- has been through some tough times and um, so navigated some difficult situations, but she's done so with grace and humility. And she's just very, very steadfast and always full of joy, always a smile on her face. So yeah, she stands out in my mind as being a faithful woman. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's 
definitely the kind of person I want to be when I grow yes, up. Yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Which some would say has happened already. But <laughs> Someday we'll grow up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, as actually this show, if you're listening on the day it drops, it's September the 30th. And September the 30th is my grandma's 100th birthday. It is. So we are celebrating her this weekend and we've been having some fun this summer just getting ready. Um to do that and and when I think of faithful women she is definitely one of key people in my life and in many others lives I know that um all her grandchildren her children all just you know that verse that they would rise up and call her blessed and they all by far like they do she has that legacy and um a hundred yeah. years of faithfulness. A hundred years. Like a hundred years. Wow. <laughs> I cannot imagine. And I hope I don't have those genes. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, and she's just always blessed God and thanked God um, for everything that has come her way. And, and yeah, like she's walked hard times mm-hmm. and um, always with a smile on her face, always always wishing and hoping she could feed you because that's how her love language (laughs) and and so yeah so happy birthday grandma i'm not sure at all that you're listening but um excited to share your birthday time together yeah that's really sweet so let's dig into our book we're about to close this book for for the time being for for good or if we would look back on it sometime but um Fix Your Eyes by Amy Gannett. What a trip it has been. It's been really deep. (laughs) Really, really deep. I hope that as you've listened, you have um, caught something, some nugget here or, or, or there, wherever, where you're just like, I don't know anything about that, or I didn't know that, I want to know more. That's our goal. That's our hope. Not that you would have everything covered, because... Uh, when it comes to theology and the study of God, we, we cannot begin to plumb the depths. Mm-hmm. And we're ending off chapter 8 on one that we for sure will not ever be able to plumb the depths on this side of eternity. And this is called, this chapter is called Eschatology, Worshipping the Coming King. I like how she defines it that by saying Worshipping the Coming King. Because as soon as I say eschatology, if you know what the word means... If you don't, then you're still waiting to find out. (laughs) But end times. Mm -hmm. And she says even at the beginning of the book, um, or the chapter, I should say, and I know I felt very, very similar. Shannon, how do you feel when you you hear that word end times? If you know there's going to be a sermon series on the end times, (laughs) what what happens in in your dark moments or your thoughts? Two things. It's probably uh, simultaneously intriguing and, you know, there's a curiosity about it and just confusing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always intrigued to learn more, but, but God hasn't given us a detailed plan about how this is all going to go down. For sure he hasn't. And so there's still mystery, which we're going to be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've talked actually in this series a lot about having a sense of wonder and awe when it comes yeah. to God and not understanding. And it, this is, I think, um, by far probably one of the most um, appropriate examples mm-hmm. of that. 
Mm-hmm. So there's lots of things we don't grasp about God. Uh, this is definitely one of them. And we're not meant to. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me that when I, um, I think I've lived under a lot of uh, period of time when I think about end times and you hear all the different ideas behind what's going to happen and you know, what is it going to look like? And and there's lots and lots of ideas and they're based on scripture for sure. But the reality is we don't actually know. It's not a textbook. God did not give us a textbook when it comes to this with it all laid out for us. So um, I think that's when my eyes tend to gloss over. And the problem is, but in doing so, I've lost some of the joy that comes from actually looking at this mm-hmm. because it is meant to be joyful. Well, and and we are to live with hopeful expectancy of the coming king. Jesus will return. His feet will touch this yes. earth again. And that's a reality that we don't often think about. And no. we don't live in our day-to-day lives with that, um, just that joyful, hopeful expectancy that says it could be today. Yeah. And, and so I think, uh, you know, myself included, we're, we're missing something when we don't live like that. Absolutely. So let's dig in here and see where, um, where she takes us in the, in the book. She very, very clearly, right at the beginning of the chapter, says, I'm not going to. This chapter is not at all about what happens next and what, what I think is going to happen and hear the verses for that. That is not what she's going to do. So, you know, breathe a sigh of relief if that's where you think this chapter is going. Mm-hmm. If you're still listening, please hang in there <laughs> because hopefully you're going to find some something to really hang on to. So, Shannon, is there something here as we start that, um, that you want to share or talk about? Yeah, well, she describes Revelation, so that book that we are all simultaneously curious and yet fear at the end of our Bible. She talks about it as being kind of an unveiling, a pulling back of the curtain that stands between us and eternity. And I I like that because it gives us a glimpse into into what eternity is. Um, And again, it's not meant to be uh, descriptive in terms of every detail, but it gives us an idea of a, kind of a picture of end time events. Right. She um, she focuses and talks a lot about the mystery. Again, coming back to that, we so much want to have everything explained and charted out so that we can have it all laid out and understand. And again and again, I hope that we are showing in the podcast that... Um, there is so much room and it's so important to have wonder and and the book of revelation itself i think illustrates that so clearly because it is complicated Mm -hmm. it is confusing but that doesn't mean we shouldn't look at it because um it actually brings us a a feeling of meekness and humility because Mm -hmm. we don't understand and Mm -hmm. That's important. We need to have that. So if for nothing else, you should just read it to feel glad that you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it p- puts you in your place. And in, instead of a detailed timeline, there is something that God has given us. He has given us sure promises. And yeah. these promises are, are you know, tinged with, with holy mystery, but they're still pro- promises. And she says... Unlike our world, in which mysteries often conceal something that is worse than we can imagine, in God's economy, 
the mystery conceals something that is better than we can imagine. And I love that because, yeah, we hear the word mystery and we it has kind of a negative bent on that word, but this mystery is going to be better, better than we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. She says, there's a statement that she says in this section, <clears throat> which applies not just to the book of Revelation, but certainly does apply to it as well. And I should also add, she actually spends a lot of this chapter all of the chapter really on the book of revelation but that is not the only eschatological mm. <laughs> i just lost eschatological. that eschatological oh not even gonna try <laughs> there's other books you know there's daniel, daniel ezekiel lots of um lots of the prophets um and even even jesus himself spoke mm -hmm. um uh of this so certainly it's not limited to revelation but what she says is it is a work of diligence to study the scriptures so that we can agree with them on what they say about the end times. But it's a work of humility to ensure that we don't say more than the scriptures say about the end times. Because we, that's our tendency. Mm -hmm. We want to tie it all up in a bow. Mm -hmm. So let's not do that. But let's look, at, let's look at Revelation. This is where she spends her time. And I think it would actually be a good idea to... Um, just read this section in Revelation 21. Right at the end, at the end, this is like the last words, essentially, that God has, has provided us. And what are they? Do you want to read them, Shannon? Yeah, Revelation 21 says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Thank you. So then she goes on from there, and she talks about how we began, the book of Genesis, we began with the Paradise Garden, and everything fell apart in that garden mm -hmm. because sin entered. And ever since, God has been working to uh, create that new guardian of Eden, that new Jerusalem. There's different words and terminology that's used, but it's it's essentially that same idea. He's creating that for us again. He and it's going to be a place where there is no more sin and and a beautiful, beautiful garden, a beautiful new city of Jerusalem. And I love the way she describes what we'll be doing. Like, we're going to partner with God in creating and working and ordering and cultivating the world in accordance with God's character. And we're going to flourish in that place, in that in that new Jerusalem. And, you know, she imagines um, the very things that God has created for our enjoyment and His glory, like cooking and art and architecture and poetry and agriculture and science in all their final and renewed forms, we're going to delight in doing those things in the presence of God for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. That's 
That's incredible. Like that, that destroys the image of floating around on clouds playing harps all day. Yeah, that is not, that is just not, (laughs) that's not how it is. So if someone, someone needs to hear that today, Mm -hmm. we're not going up to heaven and living in the clouds. That's not what God has laid out for us. That's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. Work. There is still work. God created us for work. He created us to be part of his creation. And, and that's what's going to continue. What's going to be missing is sin. And and the uh, futility of work will be missing. It's going to be yes. so fulfilling and satisfying and fruitful. And 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 just beautiful, right? Yeah. Just this really beautiful. Um, it's so hard to fathom. It's so hard to wrap our heads around. But it is exciting. It is. And And it's something to spend time on. I love in that passage that I I read a few minutes earlier that when it says, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man," and that that should that should stop us. That should cause us to pause and just really think. You know, the holy God, his his longing since the garden when he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day has been to dwell with his people, and he has been throughout the whole story of redemption. Um, making ways for us to dwell with him and him to dwell with us. And that will happen in all of its fullness. So let's walk through that a little bit because we talk about that, the story of redemption. And how has God done that? He's, he started with the, the garden. Um, and then as she, she explains this all in the book too, but like let's, so garden and then sin happens. So then he um, provides the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that was God indwelling in the tabernacle. Later on, that tabernacle became the temple, but it was the same same idea. And then what happens next? Um, so, yeah, you've got the tabernacle and then the temple and then... Um, God, God with us. Yeah, comes right? at, at Pentecost and indwell, the Holy Spirit well, the indwells Holy Spirit. Yep. his people. So first Christ yep. and then the Holy Spirit. Yep. Yep. So God with us to God in us. And it's still not culminated yet because it's still not complete. Yeah. But, um, and that's what we're looking forward to. That's what's coming. That's just amazing that God wants to live with us. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I just, I I find that fascinating that all of of history is marching towards that end, that that God will reign, or dwell with his people well and she talks about in revelation 21 5 where it says he who was seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new he didn't say i am making all new things he Mm -hmm. said i am making all things new so the creation is going to be recreated Mm -hmm. into something transformative redemptive and beautiful but it's not that, that we're he's erasing us all. He he's he's taking it still because his creation is still beautiful and he loves us and so he's not replacing, he's redeeming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it will be better than we can even imagine. And then she talks about the resurrection of the body and you know how our bodily resurrection is patterned after Christ. And so for those of you who are imagining a kind of disembodied spirit existence that that's not at all what it's going to be. We are going to have resurrected bodies, glorified bodies. We will, um, 
our bodies will resemble what Christ's was when he was resurrected and spent that um, bit of time on the earth before his ascension. And then we have to talk about the other side of this, because if there is a place where there is no more sin, what's happened to all that sin? Mm -hmm. And there is, there is an eternal death. There's a new heaven and a new earth, but there's also a, a place where, where God is not. And because God is not there, that, that is in it. That is the definition of, of eternal damnation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She says those who desire to live apart from God's rule and reign will be given exactly what they desire to live eternally apart from Christ. And she makes a point, which I thought was so good that hell is not a place where evil thrives while heaven is a place where goodness reigns. God is not king of heaven and Satan ruler of hell. Those are some things that I think we really easily um, buy into and think that is the case. But no, hell is a place that's devoid of God's presence. That is what hell is. Um, I don't know. Have you read, um, Shannon, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis? No, I haven't. I would recommend that if anyone wants just sort of a, a picture. It's it's totally a picture Um it, he's not at all trying to theologically explain heaven or hell, but he gives this picture of why people would choose hell, maybe, or why they're not at all even aware that they're in hell, because they just are not looking to God at all. So it's not that they're feeling left out. They have no idea. Is is some of the premise of it. It's a very interesting story. It's It's quite, like, fantastic in a sense, like, he gets on a bus and he goes to heaven and he gets to experience it all. But it's a really neat picture if if you're interested in kind of exploring some of that a little bit more. But yeah, hell is is a real thing. And, and it's that's uh, a sobering reality. And and in order for us to recognize that God is a God of love and grace and mercy, we have to also acknowledge that he is God of justice. Mm -hmm. And and he has to deal with with the brokenness that has taken place. Mm -hmm. So from there, she goes on to talk about the, um, the connection between our lives now and our lives in eternity. So everything we do here today will have infinitely more meaning in the new heavens and the new earth than we could ever imagine. So our lives of faithful stewardship and joy today are, will will have an impact on on what eternity will be like for us and i think i mean i often forget that mm -hmm. i'm not mindful of that from day to day well and that comes back to don't you think that um lack of recognition we have for the eternal mm -hmm. presence that that we are headed towards and so it's so easy to just this is our moment today is the day here we are yeah. right um this is this is what some of the nuggets are from looking at eschatology and thinking about the the end times and thinking about them in a joyful way. But um, maybe you have something you want to add, Shannon. But uh, for me, I just wanted to close this section by she takes a moment and she says, "Do we believe?" that this is true? Do we believe that the things that are written in Revelation and in the other parts of the Bible are true? And if we do, it's not about this internal nodding of our heads. That was very convicting to me. But it's in how we live our lives in the day-to-day. -day. 
So whether or not we believe these things to be true will be on display in our daily lives. It's not something that we can just hide. It will be how we live. And so just as with everything else, this theology has far-reaching effects on our daily life of worship. Before we get to our conversation with Margaret, we want to share that following the recording of this podcast, Margaret's husband Abe was in a serious ATV accident. We are really happy to share that he is recovering well and that doctors are amazed at the speed of his recovery so far. He still has a journey to go on, but he, he was doing really well. So as you listen in, uh, keep that in mind and just lift them up in prayer. So we are joined today by Margaret Harms. Margaret, you have been uh, a part of the church that we attend here called Wallenstein for a number of years, but not always. And I don't um, actually know too, too much about you. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so we've been coming. Um, I think this is our fourth year okay. that we've been coming here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we found Wallenstein through mutual friends, and they suggested that we should check out Wallenstein to see if it's a fit for us, and we've enjoyed it so far. Good. Yeah. And so you have some young kids? I Yes, four children. Four children, okay. Four children. Um, Victoria's 13, Adriana's 11, and Kate and Mackenzie are seven. I have seven-year-old twins. <laughs> Do you? Oh, yeah. I think That's I knew insane. you had twins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so here's a question. Is your husband named Abe? Yes. Because I was in my yard last yesterday and I looked up and this truck was going by and it said Abe Harms and I had just been thinking about the podcast and just about what we were doing and I thought, Hey, is yeah. that Margaret's husband? Yes, his truck you will see it everywhere. Well, I've never seen it before, so it felt very, I don't know, providential yes. or something. <laughs> yes, you will see it all over Kitchener-Waterloo and just about anywhere. Oh, yeah. so he's a busy guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. People ask if he has more than one truck with his name on it. I'm like, nope, just the one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about yourself and your family? Um... As you know, I'm married to Abe. We yeah. have um, four children, three girls and a boy. Um, I work all day, every what, what, day. What is it that you do? So I you? own a clinic in Elmira, and it's um, it's called Body Balance Elmira, and I do deep muscle therapy and reflexology. Okay. Yeah, and then I also sublease rooms out for other therapists to use, so... Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're a very busy lady. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I work four days a week plus two evenings a week, so okay. it tends to run a busy schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Well, it's nice to sit here and have this conversation with you and get to know you a little bit better. Um, as you know, we're talking about theology, which is a, a really big topic, and it, it can sound daunting, but it's really just conversations about God. Um, so A.W. Tozer, a theologian, said, he's said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you think about that statement? Do you agree that that's true? I do. Um, 
it was hard for me to <laughs> to come up with this because so I'm still learning a lot with yeah. theology and everything. And sure. my word was comfort. I chose comfort because I feel God is everything comfort. Where like like that sweater or that soup or that comfort that we always fall back to that song that we repeat over and over or the is just your safe haven all mm-hmm. the time and i feel like god's always there always mm-hmm. he's always that comfort that just like a child with their special stuffy or just like that that comfort that need that you need to to feel safe and secure happy loved and just I feel, I feel like that's God. It sounds like you have a very uh, intimate, close relationship with God when oh, you say God. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he's the first thing you think when something's going good, and he's the first thing you call on when something's going bad. So, well, and that's not true of everybody. No, so no. that's 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 really profound. That's good. So when you when you think about God then, and you think about Him a lot, um, how does that impact your daily life, the daily things that you're doing? That sometimes, I, like in a lot of ways, like I feel like God is my comfort, but in a lot of ways, I'm also so busy that I feel like I don't take the time to pause yeah. and oh, for think, sure. and think about what is God doing for me right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're working that much, do you find it, it difficult to think about God as you're working, or have you found ways to, to do that? Yes. Um, thankfully, with my job, it's a very quiet environment, so I can get lost in my trail of thoughts so often, and I can I think about, like, what has God done for me in the last week that I that I need to focus on or what is God trying to tell me that I should learn from or how can I be better with my children and Mm -hmm. by showing them more of God's love Mm -hmm. in different ways so that does help with work because it's it is a quiet environment and it's like it's a soothing like um so then it's easier to get lost in a train of thoughts Mm -hmm. while you're working time for reflection yes yeah reflection that's a gift because not all jobs are like that no you know some jobs are very you know fast-paced and noisy and yeah so that's but even even in the quiet jobs it's easy to not choose to think about god and it sounds like you're finding ways to do that I try to, and like I'm not. Don't worry, not perfect. We, we don't. We don't think you're perfect. Don't worry. We know. No, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. I try to. Yeah. Has there been a time when you have misunderstood something about God and His character, and and how did that, how did that impact you? So for that, um, as mo- I don't most of I don't know most people know I grew up Mennonite. So okay. then that part uh, is where I would think this came in because I feel like growing up, I would have been raised more with the religion part of God and being a certain way that in order to please God, I had to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, or just have a certain character and that would please God rather than having the truth of God and the like the theology of God and learning to have a relationship with God. Mm. 
so so with your new understanding of who God is, do you do you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no. do you feel a sense of freedom? I yes. from some of those things. I do. It it is it is amazing because growing up would have I would have been taught more of the works of God in that and I felt like you could never do enough. Like yeah. nothing I did was good enough. And you yeah. know what? That's true, right? Like yeah. nothing nothing we can ever do is good enough no. to earn our salvation. No. But but that's where the grace of God and the freedom of God comes in because we don't have to earn it. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that is something that I'm learning to understand better as I'm growing in like in the word of God. Well, and it's interesting do you cuz I I'm thinking that it's not the intent to when when we have a kind of a list of rules of things that we're supposed to do. It's not the intent to just think, "Oh, I have to do these things." Like the people who who yes. came with the, those yeah. ideas. That was yeah. not their plan. They no. were trying to do the right thing. Yes. They're trying to follow God as best as they as they can and yes. they want to do the right thing right. not meaning to send this message of you know you can't do it yes yeah and that uh, maybe heavy oppression that you would feel as a result right yeah yeah mm. yeah mm. so there's so much there margaret i just so appreciate you you sharing some of that um but can you think of a circumstance that you have gone through that opened your eyes to a new aspect of god's character that um, yeah, just an example of where you you learned, which you kind of have already said, but maybe there's another one you want to share with us. Yeah, so there was um, when I when I was pregnant with uh, my youngest two, Kate and Mackenzie. Um, I was put on bed rest at seven weeks okay. pregnant. Be we thought we were having a miscarriage and ended up being a hemorrhage. Okay, and um, so I was put on bed rest for quite a while. Um, think until I was like six months five months pregnant so it's quite a while and people that know me knows that I, I do everything in my house like, it's just like <laughs> I take charge like you don't come into my house to do stuff I do it myself right and so I had two older children to take care of and drive to school because I drive my kids to school and had my house to take care of and now I was supposed to just be still and I don't do be still very well <laughs> at all at all and it was very hard I got I got depressed I uh. got um angry and sad and everything like I just felt I was surrounded by people but I felt so alone mm. people helped but I like I felt so like I didn't appreciate it or I just like I just wanted to do it myself and I remember asking God like why why give me two babies if I can't take care of them myself mm-hmm. why why am I supposed to um like my husband has type 1 diabetes so stress is not good for him and it was quite stressful so he started getting sick as well and his body oh, was, wow. was like so we had to rely on all outside help to for just basically our daily life and I remember asking God if he if he would just help me get through this and I would uh, learn to learn to love him better and grow my um, relationship with God stronger and just learn to depend on him because I felt like at that time before that I wasn't very good at it I mm. I wanted to but I didn't fully give in to it um and in that time I just 
started reading more. I started grabbing books and learning more about God and trusting Him and just helping through it. And then after Kate and Mackenzie were born, um, again, it was so hard. You're saying Kate and Mackenzie. Kaden. Kaden so, Mackenzie? Yeah, Kaden is the boy and Mackenzie is the girl. Okay, so we're talking about twins. Twins. <laughs> twins. Just twins. Two babies. to clarify that. Yeah, yeah two babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You needed some rest before that. I, I did, I did, yeah. So um, I carried them till 38 weeks. Wow. So... Yeah, at first they were going to, I was a uh, fear of miscarrying, and then I ended up, um, they were going to induce me, which you don't hear much oh, with twins. No. But I thankfully went in um, on my own before. And then um, after they were born, it was so much with taking care of two babies and two older ones. Yeah. My mom lived close, and I had to take a baby. I drove a baby to my mom's every night, and she had this bassinet. That was there, and I cried every night, and I just, like, I felt like I was laying my baby in a coffin. Aww. I came home, and my husband's like, it's a bassinet, and I'm just like, I know, but my emotional state just felt like it was so broken and so shattered that mm. everything just hurt. Mm. And they would be like, it's okay, like, I know, like, everybody was helping, and they did their best to help me with everything. But, yeah, I had to solely depend on God that mm -hmm. time because I couldn't depend on myself because I just could barely go through the day mm -hmm. with, and I would just, yeah. So just, what shifted for you? What what made it, what, what brought you to a place where you became aware that it was God who was taking you and guiding you? Because every day... So, Every day I made it through. Okay. Every day was a good day. And I just had to look at it and see just how blessed I was and how God used the opportunity. My mom was a full-time working mom. But oh. in that time, they, had to go, they were going through their work life of um, transitioning. So my mom wasn't working at that time. Oh. And I feel like... Like, I, it's, this is hindsight. I couldn't see it at the time. Yeah. But I feel like God used that. Yeah. God put her out of work at that time so that she could be in my life to help me through that time. Mm -hmm. Because so, shortly after, I think they were like four months old, she went back to work full time. Right? Okay. And she's been working since full time. And so it was that short period of time that my mom was available mm -hmm. and my sister was available and they went back to work after that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I felt like God did that. He God, was putting all those pieces He was pieces putting in all place. those pieces together. I couldn't yeah. see it at the time, but God was putting all those pieces together in a certain way that he was lining the people up for me mm -hmm. to have the help that I needed and support me through that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I, I'm hearing you say that you struggled to accept help. I did. I did. And I so really struggled. And I feel like that is another thing that God worked in me. Mm -hmm. Is like learning that just because I'm asking for help doesn't mean that I'm weak or that I'm not capable. Mm, yeah. it's, it's, that it's learning that... Just as much as I would love to help somebody else, I can also accept yeah. help. Okay. So that's a huge thing to learn, and yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes we 
we want to control things yeah. and yeah. control circumstances. And when, when that control is taken away from us, it's it's a scary thing and it's frustrating and it's it's hard. Yeah. But I think God brings us to the end of ourselves like that in order for us to turn to him. And it sounds like that's what happened. I did. Because after that, I started searching for um, a church. Oh, okay. And I started searching for something that would help me build my relationship with God. Yeah. And in the end, I ended up choosing, we chose Wallenstein. And, and I feel like it is growing our relationship. And we are given the proper tools and everything mm-hmm. to help grow and learn mm-hmm. and understand things that were maybe said before but not properly clarified mm-hmm. or to grow from yeah. can you talk a little bit about the tools like what kind of tools have you received would you say to, to i have loved the workshops like that oh. shannon has put on the bible study like the woman's bible study that i've done yeah um and we've also had um uh joshua and rebecca yep um, I can't say their last name. <laughs> Come yeah. to our house and just kind of like build our relationship okay. with God and everything, okay. and and just yeah, it's it's there's so many in like Sunday school for the children and different ways of growing, of understanding more. Um, I think the language is also a very big thing because where I came from, the language is a barrier. Mm-hmm. And I think just English in general is um, because of reading and writing in English is just easier and comes more naturally. So yeah. it helps understand better. Okay. Yeah. So is English your first language or no, not? No, no, it's not. It's so, not. Okay. No. Well, German would have been my first language. Okay. And I still speak it, but... Um, do you read German as well? I do, but it's not, I can't like comprehend it. Like uh, okay. I can read it, okay. but not, not that I'm necessarily really sure as to what I understand what I'm that. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your brokenness to beauty story that, um, it's just always a testimony to how God, um, he just his ways are so much better, right? He, we go through hard times, but he um, he has a purpose for them, and yeah. I love that. Well, and it, yeah, we're just hearing your journey—that you're on a journey and you're seeing God's hand in it—is really lovely and beautiful. Okay. So we <laughs> so we like to end every podcast with a few rapid fire questions about your favorite things. Okay, so I'm just gonna do that now, and you can just kind of give one word answers. So what's your favorite food? Um, I love everything Mexican. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> spicy, spicy? Uh, not necessarily too spicy. Okay. Just the natural flavors and the way they cook. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I love Mexican. Yeah. Nice. Uh, favorite, are you a reader? Favorite book? I used to be more of a reader and I feel like I need to get back into it. But I, yeah, I find that my life is too... Full. It's full. Yeah, it's full. but I do have a book that I really that that I read while I was pregnant with Katie McKenzie. Um, I wrote it down. Uh, a Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. Oh okay. yeah, I love books about how God uses um, women in how how we can find our way in biblical world. Yeah. Um, with strong women and yeah. um, in how. 
he does have a place for us in his in in his yeah and that's a perfect book isn't it because it's yeah all the women of the genealogy right yeah yeah Yeah. lovely yeah do you have a favorite worship song um i asked my kids that and they (laughs) they say mom you always listen to christ forevermore by city um city of light oh yeah christ is mine forevermore yeah yeah good Well, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really great to talk to you and get to know you better and hear your story. And so we're just really grateful that you were able to come and share with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. As we've been on this journey studying about the theology of God and and all of the different ologies, For our art pieces, we've been journeying also through looking at the historical significance of cathedrals and how they have been designed. And I could go on and on. There are more things, um, more details that I could point out about cathedrals and just the amazing things that um, they have been and and how they um, point us beyond ourselves to a great and holy God. We've looked at things like the windows and the shape of the steeple, the, the actual shape of the exterior and the interior and all of, all of these things and more. We've learned some new words. And if you have not, if you're just joining us for the first time, I would love for you to go back and listen to some of those things because there is just some really profoundness to looking at, at some aspects of, of the cathedral. But for today, as we close off this section, I just want to share uh, something that I found long, long time ago, and maybe you've heard some of it before already, but it's a story that someone wrote, I don't know who, and she just talked about where she was feeling invisible and feeling like people weren't noticing her, weren't her kids weren't noticing her. She was starting to think she was just invisible. And I know I have felt that way. I'm sure that there are times you have felt that way. And she was given, in the middle of this feeling, a book on the great cathedrals of Europe. And she didn't really understand at first why, but on the inside cover, the inscription that was given to her from a friend was, with admiration for the greatness of what you are building when no one sees. And so... To quote what she says, as she, as she read this book and looked at it, she had four life-changing truths that just sort of hit home to her. And here is what they are. Number one was that no one can say who built the great cathedrals. We have no record of their names. Number two is that these builders gave their whole lives for a work they would never see finished. And third, they made great sacrifices and expected no credit. And then finally, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. And along with that, there is a story of a legend where a rich man came to visit the cathedral while it was being built, and he saw a workman carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam. He was puzzled, and he asked the man, Why are you spending so much time carving that bird into a beam that will be covered by the roof, and no one will ever see it? And the workman's reply was, because God sees. And that is the message of the cathedral. That's the message that we want to share. That's the message I need to hear 
God is whispering to all of us, I see you. And whatever it is you're doing, whether you're a mom, whether you're single, whether you're empty nester, whether you're a teen who's trying to figure out what to do with your life, you are building a great cathedral that God has prepared for you to build. And you can't see it right now. You don't know what it's going to become. But someone somewhere someday will. We are all building great cathedrals. And we cannot be seen if we're doing it right. We've been talking about eschatology in this episode. And so for our story time today, I'm going to read a few of the the closing paragraphs from C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, which is the last book in the Chronicles of Narnia series. And as I do, as I read these these paragraphs, I just want you to think about um, eternity. Let your imagination go and just visualize what what eternity with Christ will be like and how, um, think about how C.S. Lewis kind of weaved these images into um, his, his fiction. So here we go. When Aslan said you could never go back to Narnia, he meant the Narnia you were thinking of, but that's not the real Narnia. That had a beginning and an end. It was only a shadow or a copy of the real Narnia, which has always been here and always will be here, just as our own world, England and all, is only a shadow or copy of something in Aslan's real world. You need not mourn over Narnia, Lucy. All the old Narnia that mattered, all the dear creatures, have been drawn into the real Narnia through the door. And of course it is different, as different as a real thing is from a shadow, or as waking life is from a dream. It is hard to explain how this sunlit land was different from the old Narnia, as it would be to tell you how the fruits of that country taste. Perhaps you will get some idea if you think like this. You may have been in a room in which there was a window that looked out on a lovely bay of the sea or a green valley that wound away among mountains. And in the wall of that room, opposite to the window, there may have been a looking glass. And as you turned away from the window and you suddenly caught sight of that sea or that valley all over again in the looking glass, and the sea in the mirror or the valley in the mirror were in one sense just the same as the real ones, yet at the same time they were somehow different, deeper, more wonderful, more like places in a story, in a story you've never heard but very much want to know. The difference between the old Narnia and the new Narnia was like that. The new one was a deeper country. Every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If you ever get there, you will know what I mean. And then Aslan says, the dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. 
All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. I love that so much. It's beautiful. I don't even want to talk because it's just, I'm... It just brings tears. That story is what first got me really excited about heaven, honestly. Mm. There's just something about the way that is described that just makes you want to go into that deeper country. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Thank you, Shannon, for reading that. I love that. What a way to end this series. I just hope that you're listening and and you get a taste for wanting to come and join us in that deeper country too. Come and meet us in heaven one day. So we're going to end this series and we look forward to starting our next one next time on on the faithfulness of of those who have gone before us and who are with us now. We hope that you will continue to to listen in. We're going to end today in our prayer. And I just pray that you will join us in praying this. From Hebrews 12. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Podcast, a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.